Welcome to The Catholic Podcast. I'm Chloe Langer, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Joe Heschmeyer, from the blog Shameless Popery, and from Holy Family School of Faith Institute here in the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas, where Joe and I work together to invite others into a deep friendship with Christ, to invite them into authentic friendship with others, and then to equip them to become missionary disciples in today's world. We are in the second week of Lent, and the second week of our Lenten podcast series on the Stations of the Cross. Last week, we meditated on the condemnation of Christ, and this week, we're spending time with Jesus as he takes up his cross and begins that long walk up the hill to Calvary and to his death, but ultimately to his resurrection on Easter morning. Again, this week, we're going to be tapping into the wisdom of Cardinal Ratzinger and his meditations on the way of the cross at the Colosseum in Rome on Good Friday from 2005. Today, we're meditating on the fifth station, Simon the Cyrenian helps Jesus carry the cross. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you. Because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. From the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As they went out, they came upon a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. This man they compelled to carry his cross. Jesus told his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 27 and Matthew 16. Simon of Cyrene is on his way home, returning from work, when he comes upon the sad procession of those condemned. For him, perhaps, it was a common sight. The soldiers forced this rugged man from the country to carry the cross on his own shoulders. How annoying he must have thought it to be suddenly caught up in the fate of those condemned men. He does what he must do, but reluctantly. Significantly, the evangelist Mark does not only name him, but also his children, who were evidently known as Christians and as members of that community. From this chance encounter, faith was born. The Cyrenian, walking beside Jesus and sharing the burden of the cross, came to see that it was a grace to be able to accompany him to his crucifixion and to help him. The mystery of Jesus silent and suffering, touched his heart. Jesus, whose divine love alone can redeem all humanity, wants us to share his cross so that we can complete what is still lacking in his suffering. Whenever we show kindness to the suffering, the persecuted and defenseless, and share in their sufferings, we help to carry that same cross of Jesus. In this way, we obtain salvation and help contribute to the salvation of the world. Like our first episode, we'd like to invite you to take another listen through the meditation that Joe just read. So rewind this episode a couple of minutes back and pay attention to any themes that stick out to you when listening to this passage about Christ taking up the cross and Simon helping him with the weight. If you're more of a reader, you can find this meditation in our show notes on our website, cathpod.com. Maybe you can make time this week to sit in Eucharistic adoration with this meditation. Don't be afraid to ask Christ to point out what he wants you to focus on with this station of the cross. So what themes uh, did you find in the meditation? So the two things that stuck out to me in this meditation, the first, the mystery of Jesus, silent and suffering, touch the heart of Simon as he helps Christ carry his cross. The second is the line, help us to realize that it is a grace to be able to share the cross of others. 
And in this way, we know that we are walking with you along the way. So this idea that by helping others carry our cross, we're helping Christ carry his own cross. What about you? Any themes? Yeah. The, for me, the last two sentences. Uh, whenever we show kindness to the suffering, the persecuted and defenseless, in sharing their sufferings, we help to carry that same cross of Jesus. In this way, we obtain salvation and help contribute to the salvation of the world. When you first hear it, it sounds really shocking. Like, how can we say we help? It sounds like your cross is okay, Jesus, but we're going we're gonna to do it our own way by, you know, adding. But, but it's actually a very biblically rich kind of idea. St. Paul talks about how he makes up in his own sufferings what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. This is Colossians 1 verse 15. And that sounds like a really scandalous thing when you first hear it. But what he means is that Christ has suffered his part. He is going to continue the work of the cross through us and through our suffering. So when he says, take up your cross and follow me, he doesn't mean it's some totally separate thing. He means that he helps us to carry our crosses. And in this way, it's as if we're helping him carry his. It's profound. It's rich. We could spend a whole lot of time uh, talking about that and really unpacking it. But I think it's worth noticing, at least right now, that the way Christ comes to us is frequently through the cross. We spend so much time running from the crosses of our lives, and yet that's exactly where we so frequently can find Jesus. I think that's a pretty good segue to talking about the, the first guest we want to have on today's show. Because to get a picture of what it means for Christ to meet us in that place, in the cross, and have that be kind of a doorway to that encounter in a deeper way, uh, we've interviewed our friend, Chad Perot. Now, he works with me and with you mm -hmm. at the Holy Family School of Faith Institute. I got to know Chad a little bit before I joined School of Faith when he was teaching uh, at the Catholic Campus Center at KU. I, I got to know and really appreciate who he was before I heard even the part of the story you're about to hear. He's a former uh, Protestant pastor who became Catholic, but his story about becoming Catholic and going deeper in the faith, it turns out, can only fully be understood through his experience of the cross. So without giving away too much of the story, here's Chad. Well, my name is Chad Perot. I am an instructor uh, with the Holy Family School of Faith Institute. Uh, my background, you know, I, I was a Presbyterian pastor for 10 years. I went and was trained at a seminary called Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Grew up evangelical and... Uh, now in 2014 since 2014 i'm i'm a catholic and happily a catholic chad's conversion story is a incredible witness to the beauty of redemptive suffering so we asked him to share about his experience with suffering and how the catholic understanding of suffering led him home to the catholic church i'm currently married but i was married before my current wife um between the years 2006 and 2012. And that was when I was also a Presbyterian pastor um, and in ministry in that capacity. So 2006, uh, I got married. And during that whole time, my wife was diagnosed and suffered from a chronic disease called rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, it's basically just, it, it attacks joints because of a number of internal things that are going on in your body and those joints become incredibly painful and it becomes incredibly hard to to live life with that so my wife and i struggled quite a bit through suffering in that capacity 
And as we prayed for healing for a long time and didn't experience that, we had to really recalibrate our understanding of suffering. So Glow actually came to me first. Glow was the name of my wife. And she was really wrestling with this idea in Second Corinthians that Paul struggles with, and he's struggling with something, and he talks to God, and God responds, and he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. And I remember this conversation very specifically that Glow basically said, I'm not sure if God wants me to be healed, and I'm not even sure if I want to be healed, because in this, you know, this time of weakness, this time of struggle, this time of suffering, I've never in my life relied on God so much than now. And so I, you know, really, she basically said, I'm afraid that if he healed me, I would take him for granted. So there was that aspect. And then really, over the course of the next five years, her condition never really improved, and it got worse. And in 2012, uh, she, her RA developed into a lung disease um, called usual interstitial lung disease, and she passed away ultimately in August of 2012 from that lung disease. Now, long story short, there was an immense amount of grieving and suffering uh, both before her passing away and after her passing away in which I had to really wrestle with suffering. And one of the aspects that I really wrestled with was why, why suffering other than what Glow had already said about six months before she passed away, I uh, was really wrestling with her health condition, and I had fasted for a few days, and I went on a prayer retreat. And during that retreat, God very clearly spoke to me, and he said, Chad, I want you, first of all, just to let go, to let go of her body. You know, I'll take care of that. And I want you to specifically pray that the my kingdom would come through her suffering. And when I heard that, uh, there was immense amount of peace. And I began to pray that very, very clearly for six months, that God's kingdom would come through Glow's suffering. And I didn't quite understand what that had meant at the time, but I knew it was the right thing to do. So I prayed. Her condition got worse. She eventually passed away for the next six months to nine months, I really wrestled with God because even though I knew through scripture that, you know, all of the saints in the Old Testament, New Testament really struggled with suffering, uh, I had come to know a Jesus of the Gospels that healed people. And so when, you know, when I encounter healing after healing after healing, and then in my own life, I don't encounter that healing, it really, it really made me wrestle with Jesus. Until I began to read the Catholic Catechism, which is a whole other story of why I got there. And I came across paragraph 1505 of the Catholic Catechism, which reads this. Moved by so much suffering, Christ not only allows himself to be touched by the sick, but he makes their miseries his own. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases, but he did not heal all the sick. And when, when this, I'm going to stop there, this statement, it says, but he did not heal all the sick. It totally caught my attention because 
at this time I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling. Why? Why didn't you heal? Why didn't you heal? And this catches me. He didn't heal all the sick. Well, why? Because it says as it goes on, his healings were signs of the coming of the kingdom of God. They announced a more radical healing, the victory over sin and death through his Passover. On the cross, Christ took upon himself the whole weight of evil and took away the sin of the world, of which illness is only a consequence. So at this point, I just was in awe, really, of the perspective that Christ purposefully doesn't heal all the sick because he has already provided a more radical healing over sin and death. And that rocked my world. And even though I think I knew that intuitively, I didn't have a clear, concise answer for it until that particular sentence. And then it goes on. He says, by his passion and death on the cross, Christ has given a new meaning to suffering. It can henceforth configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. And so, you know, that basically put a lot of years of struggling into the context of understanding that Glow's suffering was not purposeless, but as she even said way back when, reflecting on 2 Corinthians, it configured her to him. It united us, it united her with him. And in the same way as I went through that, it united me with him. If you're interested in hearing Chad's conversion story in its entirety, send us an email and let us know. We would love to feature it in a full-length episode sometime in the future. So sometimes Jesus comes to us in our crosses. And he invites us to see the redemptive aspect of our own suffering. But sometimes Christ calls us to share in other people's crosses. For more about how we are called to be Simon, to help others carry their crosses, let's meet another friend of ours. My name is Laura Kelly Finucci. I'm a writer and a blogger, and I direct a theological program on vocation. I write at motheringspirit.com, and I've written several books about parenting and scripture, and my most recent book was one that I wrote with my husband, Franco, about our miscarriage and the loss of our twin daughters after birth, and that's called Grieving Together, A Couple's Journey Through Miscarriage. I first met Laura when her and I sat down for an episode of another podcast that I produce, Letters to Women. And in that conversation, she shared about what it's like to experience pregnancy after miscarriage or after a loss. Joseph, my husband, and I lost our son, Marion, when he was only eight weeks old. Today, we're only six weeks away from meeting the littlest Langer, who will be born almost two years after our miscarriage. And Laura's story has been such a witness to hope in my own story. And so I'm so thankful that her and I were able to sit down and talk about her experience with suffering. In this episode, we're meditating on the concept of redemptive suffering, and we're going to talk more about the unique way that Catholics view suffering soon. But first, we asked Laura to share with us about a season in her life when she endured great suffering. Our twin daughters were born very prematurely at just 24 weeks, and they lived only one and two days 
Um, and that was obviously the most difficult thing that I have ever been through, you know, just as a person, as a parent, um, as a spouse, for my husband and I to go through that was just devastating. Um, they were identical twins, and they had developed a rare complication called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So they had to have surgery in utero um, when they were just 24 weeks old, and the surgery was unsuccessful. So they had to be born very early by C-section. And, you know, we had been through infertility and miscarriage, but, you know, to hold these two babies in our arms after birth in the hospital NICU, you know, one after the other, two days in a row as they died in our arms and they went home to God, you know, I mean, to call it suffering, it sort of seems like there's not even a word in the English language that can hold what that depth of loss and grief was like. And yet, you know, when I look back on that time, those days that really were the hardest days that I've ever been through were also days that were filled with God's grace in ways that just went beyond like any kind of logic or even like the realm of faith. I just, God gave us such joy even in those moments. And I remember thinking that I never understood the body of Christ more deeply than I did in that time because, you know, the prayers of our family and friends and, you know, perfect strangers around the world that were praying for us and caring for us in that time. And I mean, hoping for the best for these twins, right? Because we all know those wonderful miracle stories of babies who are born so early and just, you know, they defy all the odds and they, you know, end up being just wonderful, healthy children. We all were hoping that would be the case, but that wasn't what happened. And, and yet the prayers of so many people just really became the body of Christ for us in that time and ministered to us in such a powerful way. I remember saying to my husband that I, I actually could like feel people's prayers holding me upright, like physically holding me upright in that time. And so, you know, what was, I don't know, God willing, I think that may always be the hardest times that, that we will have gone through as a, a couple, as as individuals, as a family, to lose those sweet babies in that devastating way. Even in that deep suffering, I'm amazed at how much of God showed up in that time and and how both sides of that, you know, the devastating grief and yet this deep surprising joy, how all of that really changed me as a person forever. As Catholics, we believe that we don't suffer for nothing. Cardinal Ratzinger wrote, The mystery of Jesus, silent and suffering, touched Simon's heart. Jesus, whose divine love alone can redeem all humanity, wants us to share his cross so that we can complete what is lacking in his suffering. We asked Laura to share about how her understanding of suffering was able to help her process through the grief of losing her twin daughters. Here's a little bit more of her story. For me, I think that that idea that Catholic theology around redemptive suffering means that nothing is wasted. Like as scripture says, God can work through all things for good, that even the worst or the hardest parts of our lives can mysteriously become ways that God is still at work. And I don't think that means, you know, that God wants us to suffer, right? Or that God caused the deaths of 
our daughters for some greater purpose. I mean, I, I think scripture tells us really clearly that God does not delight in the suffering of his beloved ones, right? That God does not rejoice in the death of the living. It's just right there in scripture. And so I think we always have to be careful that our theology of redemptive suffering never, you know, justifies suffering that can be avoided, right? Like in the past, you know, that women, for example, would stay in abusive marriages just because they spurred up for the sake of the kids, right? I think that's not what we're talking about with the beauty of the Catholic theology around redemptive suffering. What it really means is that suffering is far from meaningless, you know, that nothing is wasted that we go through. And somehow there is within suffering something that can bring us mysteriously closer to God, that in suffering we can you know, learn something about God, that, that God's truth can be revealed to us and the mysteries of faith that we might not have known about otherwise, you know, can be revealed to us in suffering. So I think through what God mysteriously allows to happen, right, and because God works through all things to bring about good, I do deeply believe that our suffering can be redemptive. You know, suffering allows us to to join in solidarity with other people who are suffering, so many suffering so deeply in our world. And, and redemptive suffering allows us to deepen our understanding of Christ's own suffering, right? That there's so much we can unite our own pain and grief to all that Christ went through. And I think suffering sometimes leads us beyond fear. You know, once we have been through so much grief or so much loss, so much pain, when we are able to journey through that with God, then we're somehow able to step beyond fear into places that God asks us to go. And maybe, you know, places of ministering to others or of, of giving ourselves in love that we might not have been capable of if we hadn't allowed ourselves to be transformed by suffering. You know, one of my favorite lines in scripture in the gospels is that, you know, Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly even when our lives know deep suffering, and we can hold to that truth and that hope that God can also work through that suffering, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And that life and that abundance might look really different from what we wanted, right? I mean, that process of change is hard, is a whole different, a whole new kind of life than maybe we would have wanted or we would have chosen for ourselves. But I always think about those lines in Isaiah about you know, behold, I'm, I'm doing something new, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? You know, I make a way in the wilderness, and in my life, suffering has been such a wilderness. You know, there's doubt, and there's anger, and there's fear, and there's jealousy. I mean, every hard emotion of being human shows up in suffering, at least in my life. But in that wilderness, you know, I found God there, too, and I think God leads us through the wilderness, it's never a place that we stay. And I, and I don't think God ever wants us to spend our whole lives in suffering. I think it's always a place that we move through. And, and so to think about the wilderness of our lives and the wilderness of suffering is a place that God leads us through, you know, to be transformed into something new. In the fifth station of the cross, Simon walks beside Christ and he shares in that burden of the cross. Cardinal Ratzinger wrote, Whenever we show kindness to the suffering, the persecuted, the defenseless, and share in their sufferings, 
we help carry the same cross of Jesus. In this way, we obtain salvation and help contribute to the salvation of the world. Laura has experienced incredible suffering in her life, but she didn't let that suffering stop her from helping others carry their cross. In fact, her and her husband now help other couples who are processing through miscarriage and infant loss. But they don't just help other couples carry this cross of grief. They work with them to find points of understanding and transformation in their suffering. Laura and her husband recently wrote a book together called Grieving Together, A Couple's Journey Through Miscarriage. Together, they're helping others carry their cross. And so we asked Laura to share about her ministry and how a season of suffering impacted the mission for Laura, her marriage, and her family. Well, we laugh now that we never would have written this book, and certainly not together, if it hadn't been for the invitation from the publisher to do so. Um, because, you know, my husband's not a writer, and, and yet he's a great writer, but it wouldn't be his instinct in the way it is for me. And yet when we had that invitation to share our story and to gather stories from other couples about miscarriage and stillbirth and infant loss, you know, to gather all that and to create a resource that would serve other couples who were grieving, it really felt like a calling to us. You know, it felt like like God was at work in that invitation that we never would have expected. And those three griefs and fertility that we've gone through and miscarriage and then the loss of our daughters after birth, those griefs and those losses just profoundly shaped our marriage and our family. And we really felt a calling to reach out to others who were suffering and, you know, to let them know they weren't alone, to try to share, you know, resources that would, would serve and minister to them in such a hard place of loss. So, you know, we wanted to give something that would talk about the physical experience of miscarriage. So much of the physical suffering was something I had no idea about and, and, and didn't know what to expect. And then there was so much with church teaching around miscarriage and salvation and even, you know, prayers and rites from the church, saints and scripture, so much of what we had found in our own Catholic tradition that spoke to us powerfully in our own grief. We wanted to share all that with other couples as well. I think that in grief and loss, it can be easy to stay stuck in anger, in sorrow, in depression, in anxiety. And my prayer was always, as we were writing this book, that God would help us enter into all of those emotions fully so we could you know, really unite ourselves with other couples who were suffering, but also to move through that and to come to a place of of understanding, of transformation, of saying, you know, this this great loss can never be fixed in our life, right? I mean, this wound will never fully heal. It will always be something we have with us. But can you use this for good, God? Can you help us to serve other people out of our own pain and not stay stuck in our unique loss, but try to unite it to others who have suffered? In an amazing way, I think our ministry to grieving parents and families has become part of the mission of our marriage in a way. And we never would have expected that or chosen it, but to share in the, the suffering of other people, you know, to be unafraid to sit with people in the darkest moments of their lives and to shine some of God's light there has been a real gift for us. And so I think every time now that strangers will share their stories with me of losing their own child in really different situations, 
I'm able, I think, through God's grace to just let them know they aren't alone and they aren't forgotten. And those are some of the biggest fears we have when we're suffering, right? That we aren't seen, that no one, you know, will reach out to us. I think that I have learned from that experience how true it is that none of us are meant to carry our crosses alone, right? Even Jesus had help carrying his. And so it has felt like a deep blessing in our lives to be able to walk with others on that journey, even if it is one that we never would have picked for ourselves. We pray that this episode has given you a chance to meditate on the Catholic understanding of suffering, on the suffering of Christ in his passion and in his death, and also the redemptive suffering in your own life. Let's close out the episode in a prayer. Lord, you opened the eyes and heart of Simon of Cyrene, and you gave him, by his share in your cross, the grace of faith. Help us to aid our neighbors in need, even when this interferes with our own plans and desires. Help us to realize that it is a grace to be able to share the cross of others, and in this way, know that we are walking with you along the way. Help us to appreciate with joy that when we share in your suffering and the sufferings of this world, we become servants of salvation and are able to help build up your body, the church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Catholic Podcast is an initiative of the Holy Family School Faith Institute. To find out more or to see how you can contribute to our mission, check out www.schoolfaith.com.